get back to the scriptures here. So David, David, trusts, David is known as a man after God's own heart. He loved God. He strived so much to serve God. He wanted to be close to God. That was something that he desired with every, uh, every ounce of his being. Was David perfect? By all means, we know he is not. Uh, nobody in this room is perfect. If, if you were perfect, you wouldn't need Jesus Christ to die for you. Okay? Uh, but we know that Christ died for us because we can't get there on our own. Um, and so, but we know that Christ has a plan. We know that God has a plan for each and every single one of us. And we oftentimes will spend so much of our lives going, God, what do you want me to do? God, how can I serve you? God, where, should, where do you want me to be? And uh, oftentimes we, we expect God to give us some grand scheme and, and like lay out everything for our lives and tell us exactly what he wants us to do. And it doesn't work that way in many cases. Um, having a good relationship with God is, is paramount to knowing what God wants us to do. You can't live a life that's completely contrary to God. You know, say you're a Christian on Sunday, get up, do the song and dance, you know, ooh, I'm a good Christian, and then go home, take your Bible, throw it back on the shelf, and, 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 and not touch it for however long, and then come back and be like, oh, why isn't God working in my heart? Why isn't God doing anything in my life? God, what's this big plan you have for me? The preacher, every, every time he gets up, says there's a plan. God has a reason for us. God shows his plan when we read his word, when we pray, when we commune with him. That's when God speaks to us, and those changes are made. I tell the teens all the time, now, it was, it was easier when I was uh, back in college and I'd come back and teach the teens because the s- smartphones weren't 100% the big thing now. Um, now everybody's got a smartphone. You want, and I would tell people, I would tell the teenagers, uh, the will of God is not like MapQuest directions. Everybody remember MapQuest? Okay, the teenagers are like, huh? So there was this website, teenagers, that you could go to, and you would type in, I am here, <laughs> and I need to go here. And it would give you a route, and then it would print, you could print out those directions, and you would drive with your printed directions. It would tell you where to go. That's how MapQuest worked. You see, um, but when it comes to the will of God, the MapQuest directions aren't what you get. The teenagers, they, they understand this, GPS directions. Where, where it tells, it won't tell you what you're doing next till you get there. You know, that's my favorite thing. I'll be driving down the road. My wife will be, my, you know, she's got the phone with the GPS open and, and I'll be like, okay, you, you let me know when my next turn is, right? There are several different co-navigators. There's the kind that like, wait, you know, the, the, you're like five miles away. You, you should think about getting over. Your exit's coming up, you know. You should think about getting over, you know, 11 miles, 10 miles, nine miles, you know, and they, they, they'll count down. There's... There's good co-pilots like that. There's the, the normal ones. They're like, because the GPS be like, you know, your exit's in two miles. Oh, yeah, you should think about getting over. And then you got the other co-pilots that are like, oh, you should now, now, <laughs> go, go, go. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was, I was uh, Brother Proper was doing a, a, a lesson to the teenagers the other day about um, how adults or men will do uh, weird things because they like girls. And uh, I, I told him, I came up afterwards and I told him a story that when Chanel and I were dating, there was this particular, um, over in Bonnie Lake, I was driving down the road, I was in uh, a uh, Ford Focus, little Ford Focus, and uh, there was, I think in that particular spot, it's cu- just coming down Eli Hill on 410, okay, and there's four, five lanes, so I'm in, I'm in the 
the, the left lane all the way over. Not, no, this is my left, right? Okay, good. Um, so I'm in this lane. And Chanel, we've been dating for a little bit, I don't know. But she looks and she sees this coffee stand. And she goes, they have really good smoothies at that coffee stand. Now, as a young teenager, as a, I don't know, I was, I was 18. Yeah, I think I was 18 at the time. My brain said, she likes that coffee stand. It has good smoothies. Ergo, this means I need to go get her one of these smoothies right now. <laughs> and so I did a quick mirror check around like this, and I had a, I had a space. But I had to cross one, two, three, and then the turn lane to get over. And I did. Like, I made that happen. That's, that's what a bad co-pilot would do. You turn now! Anyhow. So, but God's directions are like a GPS. When God is, when we're living a life for God, when we're striving to know Him, when we're trusting in Him, when we're building our foundation as a Christian, uh, learning how to be and walk and talk and act the way that God wants us to be, how to be Christ-like, we're building that relationship with God. And in turn, He, he reveals to us every step of the way how we ought to act, how we ought to uh, respond to situations. And David, David in this part of his life is still growing. You have to remember, David's not, not an old man at this point. He's still fairly young. He was very young when he killed Goliath. He was very young when he started leading armies in and out from battle. He was still, still had so much learning to do. Let's be honest, how many of you remember being a teenager? Okay, yeah, some of us remember it like it was yesterday, and other people, it was yesterday. <laughs> Case in point, right here at the front. Um, but, uh, you know, it, you, you don't have everything together. You think you do. I saw this great sign. It was like, hey, teenagers, you know, move out of your parents' house and go, you know, go conquer the world and do this and do that while you still know everything. Because teenagers think they know everything. I know what's best. Don't tell me what to do. I can take care of myself. I don't, I, you know, and I, looking back in life, I was like, I could have, I could have, so many problems I could have avoided had I not just, just listened, you know, teenagers, listen, okay, anyhow, but uh, David still had a lot of growing up to do, okay, a wise, a wise man would have looked at Saul with that javelin in his hand and been like, yeah, let's take that away from him first before I go in and play the harp, okay. But uh, so David still had a lot of growing up and learning to do. God uses his will, his word, his, our prayer life, everything. Our relationship with him should be like GPS directions, where when we go through, God is saying, okay, now you gotta, now you gotta go this way. It's time to go this way. I wanna direct you into this path. Whereas as, as, as Christians, as we want map so we can look over the whole route, I do this when I pull up GPS directions. I'm like, okay, show me everything I'm going to do. I don't want to go that way. <laughs> I don't like that road, so I'm going to go this way, and it will, it will cor course correct. And I do that. I'll plan, I'll, and, and one of my favorite things is to argue with the GPS. I love doing that. I'm like, no, this way's faster. <laughs> I do it all the time. But uh, that's not how we ought to live our life. God doesn't give us directions and then say, I don't want you to look ahead because you might not want to do that. You might see struggles, you might see trials, you might see hardships and say, you know, God, I could, I could just do without those. I don't need that in my life. 
if David could look ahead and say, see, hey, I'm going to be on the run from Saul. People are going to get killed because they, they, they talk to me, because they take me in. Uh, people are going to get hurt. I'm going to be on the run. I'm going to have to leave Israel for a while. Like, he's, he's, if he had seen all this stuff, he'd been like, you know what? Nah, I think I'm good. Like, being king's not, not all it's cut up. He, may, he might have turned around and said, you know, this isn't what I want. God doesn't give us the whole picture because we're not ready for it yet. So all that to come around and say, David is saying, I trust in God, but why are you telling me I have to flee? Why should the wicked tell me to flee? I trust in God, not, not, the, not, not man. I don't trust in any of these things. And it's making him question why he's here, what he's doing in life. We look to God and we want, we want some big miracle. We want, you know, God, what should I do? We want a big billboard that's like God is telling you to go here, right? That's what we look for. It makes me think of, it makes me think of uh, the, the, the story, two men were in a sinking boat, okay? And the, and, and the boat's going down, the cap, everybody's gone. These two are the last guys. They're making sure everything was taken care of, that everything that could be saved from the boat is saved. These are the last two guys in. And the, and the one guy says, okay, I'm going to lower this lifeboat out, and I'm going to leave. You ready to go? And, and the other man says, no, because I trust God, and God is going to save me off this ship. And the guy says, no, really, you should get in this boat. We're going to go. And he says, nope, nope, God's going to save me. I trust God. God's going to save me. So the guy says, okay, fine. Jumps the lifeboat. Bloop, 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 bloop. He goes. There's a rescue ship on its way, and the ship's going down, and, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's most of the way under the water now, but this guy's sitting up on deck, just cool as a cucumber, just relaxed. And the other ship has sent a, a rescue helicopter, and they say, they're calling out, okay, the ship's going down, are you ready to be rescued? And the guy says, nope, God's got this. He's going to rescue me. I trust God. And they try to talk him out of it, and they lower our ladder, and they do everything they can. They're sending guys down on ropes. Nope, guy won't go. So the rescue helicopter goes back, and finally that, the ship that the helicopter was sent from shows up at the ship and says, you know, they're trying to call him out, and get on the boat. It's, the thing's going, and by the end, you know, it, it looks like just the tip of the, the tail end of the boat sticking out of the water, and he's sitting on the end just happy as can be. Like, God's going to save me. Don't worry. The ship sinks. The guy drowns. Everybody tried to talk him out of it. He goes to heaven. He says, God, why didn't you save me? He says, I gave you a lifeboat. I sent a helicopter and I sent a rescue boat. What else do you want from me? Right? <laughs> Thank you. Um, we, we can look at, what, what was this guy expecting? Some big elaborate plan where God would send the whale to scoop him up and swim him off and spit him out on shore? Because that's been done before. I don't know what that guy was asking for, but we want, we want God to act and do miraculous things, but sometimes he just sends the obvious. David didn't want to run. David didn't want to flee. David didn't want to uh, leave the place that he had been to serve, to serve under Saul. He loved Saul. He cared for him greatly. Later on, you would see he would go and just cut a piece of Saul's garment, and it, it, it just killed him inside. He didn't want to leave. He, didn't, he, he, he was quite content to go play the harp before Saul and let Saul throw javelins at him all day. 
David's like, this is where God's put me. This is where I ought to be. And trust me, as we go through life, we feel like, hey, we're in a good place. God's got everything under control. David was in this great place. He's leading the armies in. He's leading the armies out. But sometimes hardship comes. Struggles, trials, temptations, they always come. And by the way, if you're going through those things, a lot of time it's an indicator that you're growing. There's an old-time preacher. He was talking about, he, he he he, he went to a preacher that was older and wiser than him. He says, I'm going through all these hardships and we, our church has grown so much and all this is happening and I don't know what to do. And, and now I got, you know, I'm getting all these, I'm being attacked from this end and that end. And, and the old preacher said, well, what's, what's going on? He says, I just feels like people are coming up and kicking me in the backside when I'm not looking and I can't. And the, and the, and the old preacher says, you know what? If they're kicking you in the backside, it's because you're ahead. You're winning the race. <laughs> and, it, and that preacher had to, had to come back around. He says, you know what? As long as I'm doing what God wants me to do as I'm moving forward. And he, he did a little self-analyzing. And he said, you know what? I'm, I'm, preaching the, I'm preaching the word I ought to be preaching. I'm doing what God wants me to do, be doing. And he, he, just narrowing down, he says, you know what? Let him kick. If I'm doing the will of God, if I'm doing what I ought to be doing, and people are going to try and pull me down, I'm just going to keep pressing forward for God. And David came to the point, he says, you know what? We look, at, we look at the verse 2. For lo, the wicked bend their bows, they make ready their arrows upon the string. They may privily shoot at the upright in heart. And then he asked this question, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? He stopped and he thought, the foundations, if, my, if the whole foundation, my premise on trusting God is faulty, what, is it, what, what good does, it, does any of it do? And he came to the conclusion, he knew who God was. He knew what God wanted and that God was going to take care of him. A couple weeks ago, I I talked about standing for God. Sometimes God doesn't have you stand in the same place. God will move you around. God has to prepare. God sent David away to the wilderness to get prepared. He knew how to lead armies in and out, but he didn't know how to run a country. He didn't know how to be a king yet. And there was lots of things he would have to learn. And so that's part of the reason why David was ultimately sent to the wilderness. But anyhow, let's, let's come to the second thing. Verse 3, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? This was, a, this was a very important question David had to ask himself. Foundations are important. We got, we got all the, the young kids in, our, in here. They can probably help me out with this. Uh, there's, a, there's a song we sing back in, in children's church. The wise man built his house on what? The rock and the foolish man built his house on what? Sand. Okay, everybody's helping out. Good. What happened to the foolish man's house? Yeah, it, it got flattened out because it didn't have a foundation. It didn't have a solid rock that it was built upon. Foundations are so important. I built a playhouse in our backyard for, for my kids to play in, and, and we, uh, it was, I built it up on stilts. It was up in the air. It had a sandbox underneath it. It was pretty cool. But the, uh, the posts had started to rot out. And so this very, st- the house is very sturdy, this playhouse. Quite proud of it, to be honest. <laughs> and it's heavy. Oh man, is that thing heavy. And a lot of it's built from old, old parts that, from like the old shed that was out back. I got all the old lumber for that, and I built that playhouse out of all that. It's all recycled. And, uh, but that playhouse's foundation was, was going out, and we knocked it down. We, we just pushed it over, 
and uh, it's still together. Now it's sitting on the ground, and I got to find a place to put it down. That has a, it, had a, it had a strong house, but the foundation was no good. Now we got to find a place to move it. There are solid, steady people in this world that are blown about by every wind of doctrine because they have everything they could want. They're, they're, they're solid in, in their families. You know, they have, they're, they're, they're what we would call all together, but yet because they don't have a solid foundation, they, they're aimless and they're purposeless in life. Foundations are important. David did that self-reflecting. He says, if the foundations are no good, what's my life built on? Okay? There are foundational truths in life. There are rules to games. The, the, the breakdown, the foundation, the, the principles that we run our lives on are super important. And we're living in a day and age where the foundations on everything, we have history, History is foundational. You cannot go back and change history. It is done. It is set. Can't be changed. There are good things. There are bad things. And yet we live in a society that says, well, we don't want to talk about this, so we're going to wipe it off the map. Or we want to focus on this, so this is what we're going to highlight. And it's okay to highlight certain parts of history, and it's okay to highlight certain things, but you have to take history as a whole. Lessons on how to do things and how not to do things. I love love the the old adage, you know, uh, those who do not learn from their history are doomed to repeat it. And then there's the saying that goes on, but those that learn history are doomed to watch those repeat it who don't know history. <laughs> and we just sit by and don't do that! No, no, oh. You know, we do. But rules, we try to bend the rules. We try to change our history. We try to bend and move. You can't, once the foundation is set, you don't just pick it up and move it. Foundations are immovable. The only way to to move that is to destroy it completely and wipe it away. Looking looking back in in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 28, uh, uh, Solomon would say, remove not the ancient landmarks. Talking about the property lines and how the tribes were broken down, and that that was critical uh, for what the nation of Israel, their inheritances, all this that would be passed down, that was, that was extremely important. And those ancient landmarks would settle any dispute. Well, our property line is here. Well, let's go look. Well, the landmark is here. Just like our faith. We go to the Bible to find and to point out, this is what I believe. This is this is how God has led me in my life. And we go to the Bible to justify our decisions. This is our foundation. We try to change the rules. The other day we were over at uh, Matt and Kayla Smith's house. And they were uh, for, a, for a get-together. And there was a cornhole thing out back. Right? And they were playing cornhole. And it was, it was a horrible game. Who was playing? I don't recall. I don't recall who was playing, but they... They, they were throwing, and they were just short every time, like 5, 10 feet. So me and Kevin, and, and who, who else was standing right there with us? There's somebody else right there. I can't, I can't recall who. But anyhow, at one point, when they turned their backs and they were walking the next one, Kevin ran over, and he picked up the cornhole thing, and he ran it forward about 5 feet and set it down. And 
and walk back. What happened? All of a sudden, their game was so much better. They're like, man, woo, yeah, practice makes perfect. We're on fire now. And every time they'd turn, they'd walk back, he'd move it forward another foot. And they were getting better every turn. They're like, man, woo, yeah, practice makes perfect. No. They moved the goalposts. We made the game easier. But that's against the rules. That broke the foundations of the game. And oftentimes we want God, God just let up on me for a little bit so I can get my feet underneath me. And God's saying, no. This is a, this is a trial. This is a temptation. This is a struggle you have to go through. Because there's a harder one coming up down the road. There's another battle that you're going to face further on. God knows these things and he's preparing us. You can't just change the rules of the game halfway through. There's a kid's show that my, that my, uh, my kids enjoy called Bluey. And, uh, and that's one of, the, one of the episodes. Goes over how you just can't change the rules of the game. And, uh, you know, you can't do that. They're, they're foundational. It's been built that way for a reason. And if you can't beat the game, you have to practice. You have to work. You have to train. Uh, if we just change the rules... I mean, that's what participation trophies are in, in sports, right? You're good enough for this. I got, I got some participation trophies. I, used to, I, have a, I have a trophy for soccer. I am probably the worst soccer player you will ever see. I, no, no. But I have a trophy for it. Like, yeah, I was on a soccer team one time. Once. Never again. Anyhow, we, you don't just get the, the participation trophy. You've got to have a solid foundation. If you're going to get good at the game, you have to practice. And when it comes to the Christian life, the way you get good at the game is you've got to get close to Christ. We can break it down. Number one, you've got to be saved. That's, that's the, the, first, the first layer of that, that foundation. You have to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Love that song that Brenda came up and sang, uh, how Jesus Christ has already won that battle. He fought that fight. And it, you know, looking back on it, it's not my righteousness. It's, it's God's, God's righteousness that he sees uh, Christ's blood, his atonement for my sins. That's what my foundation is built on. But lastly, let's look at the last four verses, and we're going to wrap up with this. All right. We're going to look at the looking to judgment. So David's kind of self-reflected, and he says, you know, if the, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And he comes to this conclusion the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall re, uh, rain snares, fire and brimstone, and horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. Now we, can, we, we see this looking at it. There's a prophetic... Uh, connotation to this, that we can look in the future and say, yeah, we know what's going to happen there. Go to that, that, that book of Revelation, read the back of the book. I love the Bible because you can just jump straight to the back and be like, ooh, yeah, we won. I love that. But uh, he realizes God is in control. You look at that, that fourth verse. God is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his throne. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyes try the children of men. Uh, looking at this verse, God knows our state. God knows our affairs. God knows how we're going to live our lives. God knows everything about us. He made us. He crafted us. The Bible says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. God didn't make any mistakes. 
We live in a culture that says, well, I wasn't supposed to be born this way. I was, I was meant to be something else. No. God didn't make any mistakes. Fearfully and wonderfully made. God knows everything about us. He doesn't have to have his eyes open to know who we are. Yes, his eyes behold, but his eyelids can try. He knows us through and through. He knows our estates. He knows our affairs. He knows who we are. And then he goes on in verse 5 and 6 that the Lord trieth the righteous. Okay, he puts us, he puts us under trials. He puts us under hardship so that we can grow. We know that the New Testament would say the fiery trials of our faith and going through these that we would come forth as gold. But he, he makes the ultimate conclusion that the wicked, God's got judgment for them. And right here, a lot of people struggle with things like this. It says, uh, the Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. And they'll look at that and say, God hates, God hates sinners. Right there. How can God hate people? How can God send people to hell? How can God do this? And it's God, when you deny Christ, you are holding on to your righteousness. People will say, oh, I'm saved, but I'll, I'll get through all my good works. I'll do this or that. You're holding on to your own righteousness. God hates the, the righteousness. God hates the violence. God hates the evil and wickedness that you would cling to. We know that God is love. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But people will cling to things that God says will not get them to heaven. And his soul despises the wickedness. He can't look on the evil. He can't, he can't behold that. And just like the blood of Christ would cover my sins, and God would look at me and not see my good works, he won't see my, my, all the good things that I've done, but he sees the blood of Christ. He sees God's Jesus' righteousness. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. So I, I surrender to Christ. I've, I'm living my life trying to, to make sure I'm standing on that solid foundation that Christ has provided. And I live my life day by day. I go forward and I try to serve him in every single day. God looks at me and he's trying me every single day. God's looking and he doesn't see me. He sees Christ. But when he doesn't see Christ, he can't, he can't love that. He can't love that wickedness. He can't love that sin. And when somebody dies without Christ, we go into the next verse. But upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and horrible tempest, and this shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness, but his countenance and his, count, his countenance doth behold the upright. When it comes down to it, one day, coming soon, We're, gonna, we're all going to stand before God. I don't fear that day. I don't fear the day I stand before God. I don't. Because I know, I know without a shadow of a doubt because I've read God's word and I, I've, 
knowing the truths that are in there and knowing that once I'm saved, I'm always saved and I'm sealed forever and, and God can't, I can't be plucked out of the hand of God. All these truths that are written in God's word so that I can have confidence in the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary. I'm not scared of that day. I don't fear my Father's judgment. Anybody that is saved and born again should be in a boat where they, they don't fear the judgment of God. Amen. Makes me think of a time when I was younger, I was out back, and I came up with this, this being the youngest of six kids. I was, <laughs> I was like, wait, five girls, one boy. Yep, six. Okay, good. Whew, math checks out. <laughs> Anyhow, being the youngest of six kids, five older sisters. Uh, there wasn't a lot of times where I'm like, hey, I want to go play baseball. Anybody want to play catch? My sisters didn't want to play catch. So I learned to play oftentimes by myself. So one of the things I would do, I went out one day and I found the garage out back. And I would take my baseball and I would throw it up on the roof. And it would roll back down and I could catch it. Problem solved. Okay? I learned how to play ping pong because I flipped up one side of the table and I hit the ball. I learned how to play ping pong. That's how I, you know, taught myself. But anyhow. I would throw that ball up, and it would roll back down. And I would throw that ball up. And my dad saw me doing this one day. He said, you need to be careful because there's windows on those garage doors, and there's this and that. And he said, okay, yeah, I'll be careful. I'll be careful. Yeah. And one day, I had a friend come over, and I was showing him this game that I had come up with. And I, I walked, and I said, watch this. And I ran back as far as I could, and I threw a big like that. And the ball was going towards the roof, going towards the roof, going towards the roof. It missed the roof. And there was that window in the garage door. My friend's like, I didn't see it if you didn't see it. <laughs> and I, no, I need to go tell my dad. I broke that window. And I went and I, I didn't, I, I came and I told you. At least that time, right away. <laughs> I haven't always been a good, perfect boy, but that time I behaved myself, and I was, and I looked. But but what stirred my response was my friend, like, ah, oh, we can come up with a good excuse. That wasn't us. We didn't do that. And I was no. I need to go tell my father what happened. I need to go tell my dad. And so I found my dad, and I said I was. I ran back, and I threw the long bomb, and. I thought it was going to hit the roof, and I missed, and I, I broke the window. And he says, okay, thanks for telling me. That was it. Now, had I tried hiding the truth, which has happened before, which, and then it comes out later, how many of you ever had to dig the truth out of your kids? Teenagers, you won't understand this one, but anyhow. <laughs> you dig the truth out of What are you guys in the, there's two young kids in the back. Oh, I've done that. No, you haven't. Dig the truth out of your kids. Who broke this? And, oh, he did it. He did it. I tell my kids, I don't want to know who didn't do it. I want to know who did it. <laughs> and I want the person who did it to say they did it. I, I, oftentimes when that happens, a parent is more upset because they had to dig the truth out of a child. I'm not mad that, you, that you, this happened. I'm not, you know, I want you to grow. I want you to, 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 to be better next time or you know but it, we're upset because you lied you tried to hide it that you don't trust me as your parent and i should trust my heavenly father enough that when i mess up i can come to god and say god 
I messed up. God, you wanted me to, you wanted me to, to talk to this person. I, I couldn't do it. God, you wanted me to do this, and, and I fell short. God, you want me to keep my heart pure, and you want me to stay away from sin, and, and, I, and, I, and I, it got the better of me this time, and I fell short. And when I come to God and I say, I'm sorry, we go to 1 John 1, 9, that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That's not 1 John 1, 9. Hold on. <laughs> my brain's spacing right now. But we can, we, can, we can come to God and ask for forgiveness. We have an advocate with the Father at all times. And so I can, I can come to God the same as when I came uh, July 23rd, 2003, and I asked Jesus Christ to save me from my sins. I can come to God any day of the week, at any time, any moment, and I can say, God, I, I messed up. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And God looks at my sins and he says, I don't see that because it's already forgiven. But I can refuse and try to live in my sin and do wrong, and then God's going to have to fix it. I call that, with my kids, correction. I have to correct bad, bad behavior. If you ever see me at, at some place, and I'll look at my youngest daughter, Catherine. Everybody knows Catherine, right? She is, she is a little monster. I don't know, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> but... Uh, She's cute, too. That's the problem. But uh, I'll look at her, and I'll say, do you need correction? And when she's upset, when she feels like you're mad at her, she, she starts to, like, hyperventilate. <laughs> First time it happened, she was just an itty-bitty baby, and I was, I, you know, she was doing something. I went, no, and I kind of, I didn't, I didn't hit her, but I kind of, like, flicked her hand a little bit. And just, and I, I was, this had never happened before. I was, I'm holding her out like this. I was like, Chanel, I did something. I've broken this child. What's going on? And hysterics. And oftentimes, I'll, I'll rebel against God. I won't come. I won't, I won't trust him as a loving father. And I will, I will rebel. And I'll try to live as a wicked person. And God will correct me. And I feel like, you don't love me anymore. That's nonsense. God loves us. When we're saved, we're, we're his. We're always going to be his. But oftentimes I'm so caught up on how dare you correct my bad behavior or something along those lines. Whereas David, he knew that no matter what, he could trust God. And there were times where he fell short. But in that point in time, he, he realized wherever God sends me, wherever I'm at, God's going to love the righteous and he's going, to, he's going to judge the wicked. And I need to live as a righteous person because that's what God paid for. So there's a lot. There's, and I mean, there's more I can say. I picked a shorter, ver, a shorter passage, and I still went long. So that's okay. But as we go out, as we live our lives for Christ, remember, it's a GPS direction system. You got to follow God every step of the way. And when God sends you some, some direction, God leads you to do something. Maybe it's talking to a coworker uh, for, for the kids up front. Maybe it's talking to a friend at school about uh, coming to church or getting saved or, or not doing something that, you know, God convicts you of something. It's like, hey, that's not a good behavior. That doesn't, that doesn't uh, that's not well-pleasing in my sight. We got we to gotta follow those directions. We got to keep that short account because God's watching. God knows us. He's not, he's not there to beat us over a stick, over the head with a stick, but he wants us to grow closer to him.
So I hope there's a lot more we could say, but uh, I hope that was a help to you guys. Keep a short account with God. He's a loving father, and he wants you to come when you, when you mess up and say, I'm sorry. And uh, when he corrects you, don't, don't be like my daughter, freaking out. It's, it's not going to help you. <laughs> you ever seen a crybaby and you're like, just be quiet. <laughs> when she does it now, I don't, th- I, I don't freak out. I'm like, oh, please stop. <laughs> you're fine. But uh, all right, let's pray. And uh, if God spoke to you today, I want to encourage you. Don't just, don't just stand in your seat. Uh, make sure you're coming to the altar, sorting these things out and uh, asking God to change you, to work in your heart. If you've messed up in the past, it's okay. Bring it to God and, 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 and let him help you get to the next step because we're ever growing as Christians. The Christian life is not a steady plane. It's an upward climb to those mountaintop experiences. But to get to the mountaintop, you oftentimes got to go through valleys. So let's pray. Our gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this wonderful day. We thank you so much for all the blessings you give to us. I pray that you'd help us to have a a good time in fellowship and prayer with you, the Lord, that we would take time to reflect on all the good things you've done in our lives and that we would take the time to thank you for those things. And Lord, if we're going through hardship, if we're going through trials, that we would bring those to your feet. And Lord, that we would confess sins, that we would go to you for strength. And Lord, that we would rely on the brethren here uh, to help bear those burdens. I pray that you would just help us to be uh, sensitive in this time, Lord, that we would help one another, and that we would seek your face. We love you. We praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.